Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Team Performance Winning Ways for Uncertain Times podcast. I'm Christian Napier, and I am joined by our illustrious host, the true brains behind the operation, Mr. Spencer Horn. Spencer, how are you? So well. You know, I just, every time you talk, I just get a smile on my face, Christian. You just have that effect on me. Love being here with you. Oh, well, um, a smile. I'll take a smile. I'll take a smile. That's a great compliment. I appreciate it very much, Spencer. Now, I'm super excited because we've got two guests. This is the first time we've had two guests on our podcast. Spencer, why don't you introduce our amazing guest today? Absolutely. So we have two guests that are here to talk about how we're making the transition to working at home and handling family and raising children and homeschooling. It's something that, you know, we talk a lot about team performance and, you know, the most important team that we have is our family. And this is having a huge impact on how we just deal from day to day. And so I have two experts that I am excited to introduce that have very different perspectives because we want to give our listeners just the best information and, and suggestions that they possibly can. And these two are as real as they come. The first one, full disclosure, happens to be my daughter. And I'm so excited to have Emily Parker on the call with us today. And Emily, I just I want to talk a little bit about her bona fides and uh, when it comes to uh, you know raising a, a family, she has four children. She's thirty one, and 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 her children are ages one, five, seven, and, and nine. And you know she has studied child psychology at the University of Utah. She had continuing education at the Harvard Extension, where her husband was uh, getting some degrees. But the thing that I love about your perspective, Emily, is that you made very deliberate decisions to have children and specifically for it's not, hey, you know, I'm just going to be a stay at home mom and see what happens. You and your husband really thought about how you were going to raise a family and how many children you were going to have. And you did a lot of consulting with your husband and and with family just because you wanted to make sure you had a, a great environment. You are a true home CEO. And you have a husband who has been working in a very high intensive uh, field outside of the home for the last 10 years, very engaged as a father and, and husband, yet gone a lot of the time. Isn't that right? Yes. <laughs> so, and, and so when we get into this, I want to talk because since all this has changed, he's actually had a change in his work and coinciding with this COVID pandemic, he is now working from home, which is a huge change for you because it is now high intensive from home. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so we'll be talking about that in, in, uh, from her perspective. And our other guest is Rebecca Lenaway. And Rebecca comes to us from Michigan. And she is a mom with a daughter of, at 10. And I met Rebecca just not too long ago when I came to work with a group of project managers in uh, Indiana. And she is a, currently a project manager at Notre Dame University, specifically at the Hesburgh Library. She's also the vice president of education and certification at PMI Michiana. And so because you're right on the border, Michigan and Indiana, and you have some great experience. And I, you know, we talked a little bit before, Rebecca, and I'm going to have you talk about you have some different perspectives than Emily, for example, going through some challenges in your family. I'd love for you to talk about that. And someone who loves your daughter 
and loves to work as well. I, I want to talk about that, but just briefly, a little bit about your past experience. You've also been a project manager at the Cook Nuclear Power Plant, and this is pretty scary. I mean, you were on the severe mitigation team, so you had to plan for like emergencies. Yeah, like beyond design basis emergencies, like the things that are never supposed to happen. That's what we were designing against. So it was really fun and very cool. Yeah, and, and you were actually involved in the project that after the... Um, the fu- uh, the Fukushima uh, is how do you say that Fukushima did yeah, I say that Fukushima right Fukushima in Japan right that power plant disaster we actually had to to all the federal requirements changed for our power plants and you were responsible working with engineers and construction teams to bring that plant up to speed is that right correct that was part of my role there it was yeah very scary but very rewarding because we're keeping the world safe. The reason why we're having this conversation today is I was speaking with Rebecca, you know, we're talking about doing some, some additional work to, to help the, the project managers where she, where she is at Notre Dame University. And, and we were talking about the challenges of working from home today. And, and we had some exchanges and it was very apparent to me that this is a need that we need to talk about. And I would just love if you would, Rebecca, start us off and, and tell us a little bit about what you've been experiencing making this transition from someone who loves to work and you're very energetic and, and you love to, to get out and do things and making this transition working from home. What's that been like for you? So uh, full disclosure, this is hard. It is so hard to make the adjustment from going into the office every single morning to not leaving the house and still trying to be just as productive. On top of that, um, my daughter's here. She has needs too. And like to be the, like the homeschool teacher and full-time mom at the same time, it's just, it's been a challenge trying to figure out what our new balance is and trying to establish where that line is between professional Rebecca and mom Rebecca. We're getting there, but it hasn't been easy. Um, and it's just kind of trial and error and a lot of grace and patience uh, between the two of us. Wow. And uh, for Emily, I, susp- I suppose it's also a seismic shift for you as well. Um, so the same question applies to you. Uh, how has this transition gone from, you know, having children going to school and a husband that's, uh, you know, going on uh, business trips and now everybody's there uh, clustered at home? Yeah, it's been it's been a huge change. We now ha- went from having periods of of our day where we were all separated at school or work, and I was able to manage some things with fewer children at home to all six of us being here all day, all of the time. So it has been a huge adjustment, um, and we we we've had to learn which boundaries to set, and and our communication level has had to increase you know, tenfold because we all have things that we need to do all in a, in a, a tiny little space and we only have 24 hours a day. And, and it's, it, anyway, getting that communication in has been key, but we're still working on those, those uh, conversations. And Spencer, thank you for letting us know and the world know that your daughter's 31 years old. You know, I'm I, proud of it. I'm happy to get older. You know, I love that. I just love that she's growing up and she's such a great example to our five kids. And, and um, I feel like I am not that old and I have five grandchildren and she is, you know, four fifths of that. And uh, so I just, I'm just very proud of the fact that, uh, you know, she's staying close to me and, you know, I'm I'm at 55. Gosh, that's, what are you, 38, Christian? 
Ah, uh, no, no, no. You can cut all this out, by the way. Fine, I'm 37. I'll be 53 next month. Anyway, uh, enough of the age stuff. <laughs> Actually, though, I, I want to come back to ages because ages of children can influence or impact this new way of doing things. I, I only have one child left at home. My daughter's a freshman at the University of Utah, and she's living at home with us. But going to the online school, not being able to to participate in church functions or in her social, it's hard for her to to make this adjustment because she really actually loves school and she loves being at school with her friends and um, doing things with work friends and a lot of social things. She can't do that now. And so it's, you know, it's a bit difficult for her. She's she's making way through it. But I'm wondering if if uh, and this question is for both of you. If you're seeing the similar things with with your children and what kind of mechanisms do you use to, to help them get through this change for them? So for me personally, Caitlin's 10 um, and this has been a huge change for her. I feel so terrible for her because not only are we stuck at home together, that's we, we, we like each other. We get along pretty great. So we don't mind spending time together, but she does get sick of me and that's okay. I feel bad for her because not only is fifth grade over now, so she she's missing that last semester to prepare for middle school, which is terrifying for her. Um, softball isn't happening, so she's missing though that group of girls. Um, her like appointment to get her braces off got canceled indefinitely, so she was excited to get those off at the end of March because she's had them forever. Now she, who knows when? Like we canceled vacations. Um, on top of that, her father and I are like in the middle of the divorce, so like timing is crazy for her and I feel so badly for her and just to help her adjust is we're just talking about it um I let her like all of her feelings are valid if she's having a hard day we talk about it and if she's having like a hard day missing her friends or she's sad about her braces or she's sad about what's going on in our personal lives I don't force homeschool like homeschool will be there eight o'clock at night and that we don't have to do it at two o'clock in the afternoon if it's not the right time so it's really about being flexible and working um, with her at the time she feels like she can be the most productive while also encouraging her to continue to do the work. So I think it's just really important to just be open and honest and allow her like the latitude to figure out what works for her too. She's 10. So she's big enough to make some decisions when it comes to that kind of stuff. I can't imagine having four at home though, Emily, you are a saint. <laughs> well, I like what you said about flexibility because I think that is our saving grace right now. Um, it, it, it has been challenging to have four at one time because like I said, we are figuring out our communication, but how do you let such young children have the space and the time to tell you how they're feeling? Um, and sometimes they don't have the words to say it. And my nine-year-old and seven-year-old can tell me, I miss my friends. I miss my school. My five-year-old still has trouble telling us how she feels. So we decided that we, so my, my husband and I have, um, family, we call it family executive council. Every Sunday night, we talk about everything that we need to, to figure out for the week, the scheduling, the kids and things like that. But we also have family meetings with the children. And so we decided that once a week we would have a family meeting with the kids and really let them run it and let them tell us 
how are you feeling? What do you want to do about it? We brainstorm ideas. They came up with ideas that we would, they want to FaceTime their friends. My nine-year-old has this cute little group of girls. They love Harry Potter. They talk about it all the time. They miss just recess where they get to just talk about anything they want for, you know, 30 minutes straight. And so we decided to set up a FaceTime chat every Wednesday at 1 p.m. They have a FaceTime chat and it helps her be able to talk to somebody outside of our house. And that was her idea. And she came up with it. My five-year-old said, I want to do puzzles with dad. She didn't talk about missing her friends, but that was something that she wanted is she wanted to connect with her dad. So we just brainstormed a bunch of things and decided what time of week or what day and that we were going to do things and let them really have that that time. But we we had to have a family meeting because everybody talking all at once all week long was just getting overwhelming. So they know that we have that and they can bring us their concerns at that time and we can get it out, whether it's sad feelings, you know, angry feelings, happy feelings, solutions. We we go through all of that. So that's been the best thing and that we've come to in the last couple of weeks. The first few weeks I think were a little a little wild, but Last couple of weeks, we decided to give them that platform and it's really helped. I love what you said um, about scheduling that time and knowing that they have it because one of my struggles as a mom is if she needs something, like I feel like I have to react right now, even if I am in the middle of something that is super important for work. So even if it's like a daily, like two o'clock, Caitlin, we're going to do our stand up. Just as long as you can hold it till then, I- I'm stealing your idea. That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> Please do. It's it's worked so far. We're still troubleshooting things, but yeah, that's one thing we've loved. And then something I did for Caitlin's softball team um, is I, at our normal practice times now, we do Zoom for 30 minutes. And I, along with Caitlin, sometimes will like you Google icebreakers conversations. So I'll put a slideshow together and throw the question up and share my screen. And we'll just go around like, and have everyone talk about what their uh, favorite, like who their favorite bad guy is or what's something they're thankful for today. Or um, like, I think one of the questions this week was if you had to choose what fruit or vegetable would you be? Or when we get into like, who's your hero? So it's like funny things and serious things. And I'll have like 10 questions prepared and we get to what we get to. And Caitlin really appreciates it. Her teammates really appreciate it. And the, the softball parents really appreciate it too, because it's, giving the kids an opportunity to socialize and their team building when they can't be on the field. And I think that's really important so we can hit the ground running whenever we can get back on the field. Rebecca, you mentioned fruits and vegetables. That takes me to food because that's another change for all of us, I think, that are now homebound. I don't know about you guys, but we used to eat out more. <laughs> and particularly if you're going to an office, you might be having lunch at an office. Or if your children are going to school, they would have lunch at school. Now everybody's having all the meals at home, maybe ordering some delivery every once in a while. Tell us about food and how you're handling potential food challenges. Yeah, Emily, how do you feed an army? <laughs> so um, I will say we are we are eating differently than we did before. We ate out every now and then, but I, I feel like when my children are at school, I eat differently. I eat more a string cheese here and a yogurt there and things like that. Whereas now everybody's home. And especially when my husband is home, we need three full meals a day. And so it's, it's a huge change to, to cook 
for six people three times a day rather than, you know, sending them the kids to lunch, you know, with their lunch in the morning and things like that. Um, but it's, I, I have to shout out to my mom because she has really, she taught me a lot growing up about how to shelf cook and use things that you have. And so I, I, it's really been helpful to me as I've been planning our meals. She taught me really how to look in the pantry first, instead of going to Pinterest first, because I think things have changed where, where a lot of the, a lot of the time now people will say, Oh, I have this recipe. I want to make it. I'm going to go to the store and get the ingredients and then I'm going to cook it instead of going, doing what grandma did and what your mom did and look in your pantry and say, okay, I have this, this is what I'm going to make. And so I'm really grateful that my mom taught me how to do that. And it's really helped. It's not perfect. I mean, sometimes I, my kids will have a bag of tortilla chips and I will call it good for lunch. And so we really (laughs) have lowered standards in that way. So I feel like there's good things and things that were, that we let go a lot of the time. And it, and it's okay if, if your one-year-old pulls out their Ritz crackers and that's what they eat for lunch. I absolutely agree. Uh, uh, week one quarantine, Caitlin uh, made frosting, no cake, and we ate it. <laughs> it's fine. I feel like, like all of the rules are out the window. And we do think mm-hmm. now that you are staying or your feet, you're doing more meals a day for more people. Are, are you actually spending more on groceries now? Because I've seen a decrease in my food bill. <laughs> we actually have seen a decrease because we are using more of what we have. And awesome. I think our, our, our mindset has changed where, you know, I feel like when everyone's in a bit of a panic mode and we're dealing with a global pandemic, you, you feel like, okay, I can eat a granola bar. I need to make sure my food lasts. I can, you know, so I'm not cooking big fancy meals all of the time. It's, it's, different meals that we're that we're cooking so the standards have have lowered and we're buying things that are cheaper things like flour things like pasta i'm not spending money on expensive spices to make a fancy thing and so i I think our budget has really simplified our grocery budget has and i think it's gone down for us as well isn't that interesting that is interesting and what what i'm learning um is being at work it's so easy like on the way home from the office to not want to cook. And so I will grab something on the way home. Um, and so I'm not doing that anymore. And so we're eating better, more, we're eating more healthy, we're spending less money. And I think most importantly, what I am so excited about is that I, I love cooking, I've always loved cooking. And that was something that I hadn't been doing as much lately. And now that I'm back in the kitchen, I like it's like a new, like it's like a, like a renewed hobby, I guess. So it's been a lot of fun and it's brought some happiness during a time that's like kind of challenging. So I'm like kind of grateful. And I believe that I will sustain this. Even when we go back to work, I'll be spending more time in the kitchen. Spencer, who's doing the cooking there at your house? Well, our boys did the other night and that's going to be a routine. I have two sons at home, 121 and 119. So also uh, college age, one was serving a mission, came home and, and very capable of taking care of himself. And my youngest son, Sam, Emily's uh, two brothers, uh, he is at the University of Utah as uh, a freshman. And he's, you know what? I'll tell you what, we're eating really well because that same mom that Emily talked about is an incredible cook and we have plenty in the pantry and we're having, you know, shrimp korma and I mean, all kinds of amazing things that 
but again, we're using what, what we have and, and, um, and, and it's, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm sitting here, Christian, and I have tears in my eyes listening to both these amazing women. And I, I can just listen to you guys the rest of the time. I'm so impressed with, with what you're doing, but I feel such gratitude for people who are, are working so hard to make their families, um, feel peace and, and struggle through these hard times. And food is an important part of that. Connection is an important part of that. I'm going to change the subject a little bit. One of the things, uh, Rebecca, that you talked about is you personally have a need to, to be connected and, and love to, to be out with people. So this has been hard for you as well. You know, we're talking about our kids, not connecting. What about you? How are you handling that? It is really difficult for me. So um, a lot of my job is rallying the troops to get them to do the project work that needs to be done. And everyone's like project management style is different, but I'm very much an in the trenches kind of person. And when everyone is in their own spaces, in their own homes, I am not able to motivate in the way that I am used to motivating. So it that's been a challenge for me too. So one thing that I've been sure to do, like we talked about setting up meetings for our kids. I've been setting up meetings with like my work people too, just to like check in on them, chat, laugh. Um, I set up like Slack. I don't know if you guys know about Slack, but it's like a professional instant messaging service. I set up a channel in there that's called Quarantainment. So anything not work related <laughs> that we want to share that's funny, like it goes in there. Um, so I'm really just, like continuing my best to try and keep uh, people going. Um, like we have one meeting every other week that's got about 30 attendees. Uh, the first week I wore like these, I have them right here. This is when I, I like to make people laugh. So I'll wear these big glasses sometimes, like when, <laughs> like right when the call starts. So people are like, it sets the tone. And then um, like this Monday, I wore a Christmas sweater. I just, whatever we can do to, to lighten the mood and give like, that piece of me that people are used to getting is just, it's harder now, but if we get creative, hopefully I can still set a positive tone for everyone. I know as the leader, like my attitude is contagious. Great advice. You know, Emily, I failed to mention that one of the responsibilities you have is with our church, you are uh, running a children's program that has 65 children ages Basically, what two to eleven? They are four to eleven, actually. Four to eleven. I am in charge of the younger ones as well, and it goes down to age one and a half. So one and a half to eleven. And so, how are you keeping in touch with those families and those children and managing all of that? Yeah. So the first few weeks of this were were really tricky. I I I took for granted all of the the structure that we had in our schedule. And I would see them at church on Sunday. And I would see them when I dropped my kids off for activities on Wednesday. And I would see the moms of these kids and the kids themselves at preschool drop-off. And I could say, hi, how are you doing? And they would say, you know, hi, and I remember you from, from church. And we could just connect in so many ways that were built into my schedule that I didn't have to do anything. I just showed up and I was there. So I have a few uh, women that I work with and we brainstormed how we can connect with these, these kids because they are feeling probably the same things my kids are feeling. And we decided there are a few things we decided, but one of our favorite things is we set up FaceTime calls with just the kids. So we would, you know, send a message to the parents and say, we would love to connect with your kids on FaceTime. And we have absolutely loved it. 
We just spend 10 minutes on FaceTime with them. We are learning the funniest things about these kids. We learned that our neighbors across the street have a bucket of lizards in their backyard. And so now I will FaceTime them every once in a while and say, how are your lizards doing? What are their names? And things like that. And it, it's, it's, it's really interesting because I don't think I would have learned that about them if it weren't for this. And I love seeing the silver lining of, of communicating and connecting in this different way. And, and, and we have, usually we have, um, we teach the children through song and singing. And so we, we have a singing leader and I connected with her and she's going to record some songs and send it to the kids for them to listen to later. And anyway, it's just been wonderful to see all of the, the connection coming out of it. And I think the kids are doing well. They're doing well. You know, Rebecca, you uh, you talked about similarly going to the office as a, a place that kind of created your structure for you and 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 created the environment to say, okay, now it's time to work. And it's hard for you to to be out of that environment. Yeah. So I have ADHD, so I don't need like a ton of guidance, but I do need structure. So for me, like getting up in the morning, leaving the house going into the office was my switch for my brain, like, Hey brain, it's time to do work stuff now. Um, so not having that has been a real struggle. Like I am at my house and I'm used to only doing house things here. So it's hard not to get distracted by the pets or my kid or housework or like at like home is like a safe, relaxing place. So maybe I just want to relax. So it's been a hard time to strike that balance between like my new workspace and my home space. So one of the things that I've been sure to do is I have a dedicated workspace. I started in the basement. I didn't like it. Um, it was like the lighting was terrible. It was kind of depressing. So I moved my workspace upstairs to just the edge of the dining room table. And that's dedicated workspace only. I keep my work off. We have, we also have like a, like a breakfast bar. That's where we eat most of our meals. I would never set this space up where we actually eat our meals. But, um, I also like just keep my workspace here. Like I don't take my computer to the couch to work. I don't take my computer to my bedroom to work. It's just, it stays here. So having that dedicated space, although it's not ideal, has been really helpful. This is a question for both of you. How do you deal with feelings of inadequacy, perhaps, you know, maybe, you know, you're used to doing things a certain way. And now that that schedule has changed. And, and, you know, for example, Rebecca, you work eight to five. And now how available are you for those that need you at work versus being able to manage your daughter and, and Emily? I mean, how do you deal with now all those extra demands and, and just feeling like you're you're doing okay, and you're you're succeeding because you wear a lot of hats as moms and and you know, and everything else that you have to do, how do you keep your attitude healthy and strong? You first. Okay. Well, I don't have it all figured out. Um, but one thing that is in, important to me and helps me keep my sanity and, and set boundaries for my mental health and my physical health is getting outside at some point in the day and moving my body in some way, doing running, um, taking the kids on a nature walk, going on a walk by myself to clear my head. And we schedule that in our family meetings so that we know that it happens. And it gives me time to think about other ways that I can help um, our family run so that so that I'm okay. And I have learned things about how to do 
a block schedule when I'm outside being able to think about myself and I can set that up for my children and I can think about how to uh, set aside a time for my five-year-old because I think she's the one that gets the least amount of attention where my olders need help from me for school and my one-year-old demands it. So how am I going to help my five-year-old who's very independent really still get some attention from me and not feel like I'm letting one kid, you know, feeling inadequate and that I'm, I'm letting one kid kind of slip under the, under the radar where I have so much to do with all the others and how do I balance that? And so I feel like I also had to tell myself not to take um, my adequacy by day, but more by week, because it's impossible to give all four of my children uh, the attention that I want to give them, you know, within one day. So sometimes my five-year-old doesn't get as much attention and the next day my one-year-old doesn't get as much attention, but I, I try and plan my week so that I can make sure I get one-on-one time with them throughout the whole week. So I just give myself grace for a few days here and there and make sure it all balances out where I don't beat myself up because one kid didn't get their bedtime story like they wanted and we'll make it up tomorrow. It's, it's okay. I think we need to give ourselves grace in this time. And that's something that I've learned you know, through the past few weeks, the first, the first couple of weeks were really, really tricky, but we're getting to a better place where I can give myself that balance. You are amazing. I I can't oh. imagine the struggle of having <laughs> like four, like it is, I'm sure it is very, very challenging and I'm sure you're doing a great job. Oh, you're sweet to say that. Thank you. So I think for me, um, like struggling with inadequacy is just kind of in my genetic makeup. It's what I do. But this is like really brought it to the forefront, right? Because this is so hard. And I think every day I fail at something like I am not the best mom every day, or maybe the next day I am not the best employee every day, or maybe I'm just not the best to myself every day. So I think like the first thing about like dealing like with feeling inadequate is just acknowledging that it's hard. And it's not just hard for me. It's hard for everybody. All four of us on this call have different realities um, and it is still hard. So we are all struggling. Our struggles might look different, but we're all in it together. So I think as soon as I was able to step back, um, log off social media um, and stay like, yeah, log off social media and realize that like what people are putting out there with their like perfect like homeschool moms and all the math lessons that they're doing they're only putting out like the highlights of their day. Like I have to understand one, I'm not comparing myself to them because we're all going through this differently. And two, they're struggling too. They're just not talking about it. Um, So I think we uh, collectively, I think a superpower that we could have is if we do start talking about the struggle, because that will really help offset all of our uh, feelings of failure because nobody's failing. We are all just doing the best that we can. And that might look different or less productive um, than what we're used to, but that's okay. Like this isn't business as usual. There is no playbook for this. And we have to accept that this, this new reality, while it's different and it's challenging, it's okay. It's going to be different. We're not going to feel as good or as productive, but good enough is good enough right now. Um, perfectionism is not real and it's not fair. So let's just all do the best we can support everyone and let them know like, Hey, I think you're doing a great job. I know this is hard. And especially with your families, be real, like, Hey, this is hard for me. Be specific about it. And let them like, like you give them the latitude to say, yeah, this is hard. I do need to do a puzzle with dad. 
And I think I've also me being real with my teams at work has, um, well, it's brought us closer. We're a closer team now because they see, like I can say I had two panic attacks the first week and me openly sharing that, like I'm human now. I'm, I'm not just like the project manager. I'm not the person that just needs all this stuff from them. I'm also human, which gives them the, the feeling that they can come to me too and say, this is really hard. You know, maybe, maybe if, can we not have calls before 10? And that's okay because we all need to set whatever boundaries work for us. And we need to be open to other people's boundaries. And we also need to be realistic about ours and be grace, uh, have grace and be patient with ourselves and each other. I think it's uh, even more challenging for planners like yourselves, right? Like you, you like to have everything planned out. And when things don't go according to plan, it can, it can conjure up all kinds of negative feelings from frustration to, like you said, feelings of failure. I'm not, I'm not doing the best. I'm not the best uh, when things don't go to, according to plan. But the nice thing about plans is that they just give you options, right? If it doesn't go according to plan, it's okay. It's not the end of the world, but you had an option. At least you had a choice. If you don't have any kind of plan at all, then you're just kind of following the whims of whatever. So uh, I think it's a really important thing that you're saying. It's good to have a plan and it's good to have structure. At the same time, give yourself grace and have some flexibility. If things don't go according to plan, it's going to be okay. Yeah. I think one of the things about planning right now is to be uh, like allow it to be fluid, allow it to be loose enough. So you are not like tying your hands. Um, so for instance, with my daughter, like we've, there's a lot of stuff to do around the house. Um, sometimes we might not be able to get outside to do what we need to do. Or sometimes we're not even going to feel like doing what needs to be done in the basement. But if I say to her today, just do one thing that makes my life easier, she'll still be productive and it'll be on her terms and it, she's still being helpful. Um, so I think as long as we are realistic about our plans and build flexibility into them, we'll be able to pivot when we need to. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Spencer, do you have more questions for our amazing guest today? No, you know, I have just mostly been sitting here in, in on just very, uh, very happy to, to learn and, and listen to these two amazing uh, women. So uh, I think they've given us some great information and uh, that's all for, for me. Well, I've learned a ton and I appreciate you, uh, Rebecca and Emily, just uh, coming uh, on and sharing your thoughts. I'm going to incorporate those today. In fact, probably the, the most important thing I'll incorporate tonight while we're playing Bananagrams is I'm going to try to make the word quarantainment. I love it. <laughs> when I play Bananagrams with my wife. How and many daughter. points is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not a, a point thing. It's just on a, it's just, it's just timed. Right. But uh, what a great word. Quarantainment. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that one. I'm for a long time. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Trademark it. Hurry. Before, before we publish the podcast. There's one more thing that I would like to add. And I think what we need to, as part of acknowledging the challenge of this, if we don't like acknowledge that this is hard, um, the universe doesn't stop throwing us curveballs. So tomorrow there may like there may be another change in my life. Like maybe Notre Dame decides that I like they they can't pay a project manager because I'm not essential. Um, or maybe something happens in my daughter's life. 
um, we need to understand that acknowledging this challenge and not ignoring it prepares us to accept the next challenge too. If we're bottling up, up inside and trying to pretend like everything's okay and everything is normal, we're not going to be ready to accept the challenges that the universe will continue to put in front of us. Um, so just be really open and honest and ready for uh, this and what's coming next. And we'll all get through it. Okay. Oh, that's very, very well said. Uh, any parting comments from you, Emily? Well, I just, I want to encourage anybody who's going through a hard time to do exactly what Rebecca said and acknowledge that it's hard and, and reach out if, if you need help and, there it's it's been amazing to me to uh reach out to friends in frustration about this or that and and feel encouragement and and even though a lot of the time we have different situations like rebecca said i think that a lot of us feel some of the same um you know stressors or or worries that that it's not going to be okay whatever that looks like and so if we can lean on each other and, and keep reaching out to friends that you think may need help, then then we're all going to get through it together. And then we'll take on the next thing, just like Rebecca said. So I, I think we're going to be okay. Agree. Wow. And thank you again, both for uh, great words of wisdom. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you Thanks came. Thanks for having me too. Now to, uh, to conclude our little podcast here, if people want to get a hold of you or they want to learn more about what you're doing, uh, Rebecca, how might they contact you? They can uh, find me on LinkedIn, Rebecca Lenaway PMP, or um, they can always email me too. It's rlenaway, L-E-N-E-W-A-Y at nd.edu. All right. Excellent. And Emily? Um, email would be the best way to contact me as well. My email address is emilyelizabethparker at gmail.com, Elizabeth with a Z. And I'd be happy to answer any questions or or. Um, just talk if you need someone to talk to. Thank you so much, Emily. And Spencer. Please go to Altium Leadership. That's A-L-T-I-U-M leadership.com for our website. If you want to email me, Spencer at altiumleadership.com. And you can reach me at cnapier at gp4.com. That's gpfour.com. Thank you so much for listening. Please like and subscribe to our podcast and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye.